you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Well, hello and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks and I'm delighted to be your host and as always, your guide to successfully deliver your retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in. This one is episode 142. And I should also say, thank you for being here live. We are recording live at Retail Transformation Live, which seems very fitting. And we're going to be discussing the modern retail operating model. Now, let's step back a moment. We've seen a huge amount of change in the retail marketplace over the past 15 years, but also over the past sort of 10 years, even a couple of decades, right? No, not the last 15 years, the last 15 months. (laughs) Not everything goes perfectly, obviously. We've seen channels becoming more and more complex, and that drives that same complexity into the operation. We've also seen increased competition across all of those different channels, right? And that has increased the customer expectation. And in turn, that's driven down tolerance for error. You know, we can't stand the mistake as a customer anymore. We instantly are able to shift because it's just so easy to swap retailers. Loyalty is under a great challenge for, for, for many retailers, of course, right now. And all of that means that customers, business stakeholders, and shareholders are demanding more of retailers and of the retail operating model. So my first question is, what's an operating model? Now, I talk to a lot of retailers about operating models. I I work with a lot of retailers on helping to define, develop, improve, and deliver their operating models. And it's actually a term that's really wide open. Sometimes when someone says operating the model, they mean a set of process maps. Sometimes they mean org charts. Sometimes they mean a guidebook, written down documentation. Sometimes that documentation is actually a training material for colleagues in store. Maybe it's a set of inputs, processes and outputs. Maybe a series of customer journeys. Maybe a business canvas, a one pager. Maybe it's the business model. Maybe it's a series of flows of stock or customers or money. So what is a retail operating model? Well, my view is all of the above and probably a bit more as well. But I would love to hear your thoughts. It's interesting because there is no one size fits all operating model. Simple businesses don't need a hugely complex operating model. They need a simple operating model. But then if you are in a complex business that perhaps is operating over many different channels, there's at least 22, as I uh, referred to in a previous episode of the Retail Transformation Show. But if you're operating across many different channels, you're operating across many different geographies, different territories, you've got complex supply chains, then of course, you need to have a more detailed operating model to go in with this as well. And so... I'm going to invite Gary Newbury up onto the stage. Gary, are you ready? Here you come. Hi, Ollie. I'd like to just think, uh, when I think about the operating model in a retail environment, it's really how do we 
deliver value for the consumer or the target consumer if we want to be a bit more refined on that and it for me it would be how do we conduct ourselves in that whole exchange of helping the customer to find us to discover what they might be looking for or discover new stuff and and how do we present that and engage with that customer all the way through to the point of consumption i don't know if that helps Definitely. I, th- I think that value add piece is just so important. And increasingly, in a world where we have more D2C companies going direct to consumer, right? Uh, more brands going and, and, you know, cutting out the retailer, it increasingly asks a question of retailers. What is a retailer? What is a retailer? Because now that brands can so easily go D2C, right? It does beg that question. And so if your retail operating model does not essentially state the value that you are adding, it puts you in a really treacherous position as a company, right? As a fundamental business. What is the point that you serve, right? Yeah, I think that um, certainly a takeaway from the pandemic must be that retailers need to be doing a better job. And I don't mean just, you know, a better job of retailing, but actually, if they're going to be the preferred channel of which uh, CPGs, FMCG, companies, manufacturing, producers, whatever, they need to find a way of making themselves to be the ideal, preferred, call it what you like, channel to market. And I think that uh, we've had decades and decades of retailers not really being that way inclined. If we, ha- if we go back 100 years, we may find that, but uh, over, over you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, the playbook of retailers has always been to uh, demand that suppliers comply with their requirements and fit into a, a particular cost model before they get put onto the shelf. And that must change. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I think that whole retail big stick, right, um, particularly from the larger retailers, is, is becoming more and more challenging. I think it's interesting when you look at brands like Nike who have turned around and said, our strategy is pulling out of retailers, becoming less accessible because clearly there are challenges for, for Nike of overexposure, but also that complexity of everyone wants to stop Nike, but they're not really uh, delivering it in the, in the best possible way as well. And suddenly if you're big brands, which may constitute a significant percentage of your business if they pull out could leave you high and dry right mm, that's certainly what happened in canada with uh, canada goose which was a uh, you know, which you may or may not be familiar with was a uh, sort of a very high-end uh, parker and it, it decided to to move away from what they call a wholesale model and go direct mm. set up their own stores and, and their own experiences and and literally layer in that experience directly into their customers. Yes, I, I think it was them that did the cold chambers, right? You could put on yeah, the coat right. and you could go into the minus, minus 20 yeah. room or whatever. They've opened a store and I think they've, they've only got to a scale of one yet, but I'm sure it's going to expand once. once <laughs> Have to start from somewhere. Where, where it was like that... Uh, it, Nordstrom experience. You could go in, try it all on, go into a freezer room, etc. 
but you could not buy something from a store. You had to order it and they'd send it to you depending on, uh, you know, if you're in the morning, they'd get it to you later in the day. If it's later in the day, they get it to you next day. So they've really sort of looked at that whole experience of engaging with a customer and thinking, well, this is a person that comes in and buys high-end a high-end garment what do they expect do they see whole racks of garments or do they actually want a personalized experience so if retailers look at this and just go oh that's terrible we don't want to do that actually they need to take something away from these brands that are going direct and say what do we need to do differently to bring them back in to our fold and so we we become we become that preferred channel of choice Definitely. Definitely. Well, Gary, thank you so much for jumping up here on the virtual stage. It's a pleasure, as always, to talk to you. Your second appearance on the Retail Transformation Show back after episode 108, I do believe. Yeah. 108, where you're talking about agile supply chains. So, Gary Newbury, thank you so much for joining me up here. Thanks, Ollie, and good luck. So thank you, Gary. That was a really interesting discussion. And actually, it leads us nicely, conveniently, thank you, by the way, (laughs) into the next piece that I wanted to share with you. I think there are a number of different aspects that we need to be considering about retail operating models. So the first of these aspects is playing straight out of one of the topics that Gary was mentioning, which is around turning a purpose into reality. Now, we've spoken about purpose a lot here on the Retail Transformation Show, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about purpose in the wider retail industry and wider business industry as well. But purpose isn't about saving the whales necessarily, but it's about understanding the brand and the brand story from the customer's perspective and understand what relevance do you hold in their heads and then The operating model's job is to take that purpose and turn it into real life rather than just being fancy words on a a nice PowerPoint slide or perhaps nicely painted onto the wall at head office. (laughs) So that's almost a critical job for the retail operating model. And it's, it's part of the modern retail operating model as purpose becomes increasingly important. The next aspect I'd ask you to to consider as well is around the business loops. Now, I think of retail in in the most simplistic way as two cycles, a customer cycle that is looping around from building awareness through to sort of the marketing side, and then hopefully into your store or onto your website, engaging with your brand, making a purchase, and then that after purchase cycle as well. And then the second cycle is the stock cycle, which is everything from sourcing through to obviously all of the supply chain, getting it into the right place for fulfillment, whether that's in-store, whether that's online. And hopefully, if retail works, those two cycles add up together, right? Now, there are increasingly other flows that need to go in and around those cycles as well, a money flow and a data flow, which are both interesting because They add complexity and equally, they can distract from those two main flows as well. We're going to be looking at another aspect now, which is around process mapping. Now, I mentioned process mapping right at the start of the episode, right, as one of those concepts that people think this is what an operating model is. It's a process map, right? 
True, it's part of an operating model, I would say. But you need to make sure that you have your process maps drilled out by levels. There's no point just having, here's a process map for this random process that we do once a day, once a year, whatever. But actually, you need to understand how does the business all fit together? You need to start right at the top. What are the different functional areas that you need to have? And in the increasing complexity world, driven by all these different channels, you need to understand what are all the functional blocks that are, are sitting in that top level process map? How do they connect together? And you need to be thinking then about what are the inputs and the outputs of those processes? And who are the suppliers and the customers of said inputs and outputs? Now, that doesn't need to be external suppliers and literal customers. It could be an internal supplier of information or of a particular piece of data or decision-making or anything. Equally, it could be a literal supplier as well. And the customers don't need to be someone with a trolley or a cart or whatever. They could be someone, again, inside the organization that is waiting for the next piece of the puzzle. You pass it down the chain and then that customer, internal customer, picks it up and moves it forward. So you need to be thinking about process mapping and you need to think about it on multiple different levels. Next is around the financial story. So how do costs stack up and how does the business ultimately make money? You want to have an understanding of the finances and the productivity that sits behind the processes. The perfect way of doing that, in my view, is having a clear view on the heat map. So how does your, your cost breakdown, your budget, split out against the different parts of your business. Because if you don't know that, you will have no idea how to best manage and optimize the different parts of your business. And that's something we'll come back to uh, in just a moment. But you must make sure that there is a clear view on that financial story, which again, can easily get forgotten about. And it's easy to perhaps throw the uh, proverbial ball over the fence to the finance division and say, well, finance, right? It's, it's their job to understand. Well, no, not if you're designing the modern retail operating model. Another area where it's easy to throw the ball over the fence is around IT and systems, right? There is a significantly important uh, role that systems and IT play in the organization. And it's great to see more uh, CTOs and CIOs joining in to the, the, the wider conversation around how the business is developing and what the strategy should be. But that system architecture must sit within your retail operating model. So while systems are increasingly important, you also need to be thinking about people. Org designs and people design, which we'll come back to, it's a funny term, people design. I think they should have one head and two hands, <laughs> but not necessarily, right? Org design is, is important. As we increasingly look at all of these different channels, you can't necessarily sit with the same org design. You may need to add different functional areas or different teams, and you definitely will need to add new capabilities, which is kind of where it comes in from a people design perspective. What is the retail store assistant of the future going to be doing in your new modern retail operating model? Because actually, we've seen lots of examples recently over the pandemic where Store colleagues and store associates are engaging with online customers through technology. So actually, there is an increased ability to deal with technology or be able to do live streaming, for example. But equally, there is an increased ability 
for uh, colleagues in the call center to place orders and actually do some of the sales job rather than just dealing with complaints, for example. And then you look at the supply chain and you think, well, actually now this supply chain has got to be dealing with not just moving massive boxes, but you've got to be able to have the delicate nature, particularly in something like grocery, of picking out fruit and veg, which is a skill, right? Not everyone can pick out fruit and veg for for an online customer. So as we think about the modern retail operating model, do think about the org design that you are going to need to be able to fulfill all of the different functions, as well as the, the people design of the capabilities that you need as you move into the future. There's a couple of different areas left that I wanted to share with you. The first is around the decision infrastructure, which is something that very, very rarely gets talked about in an operating model sense. But this is about asking, what are the decisions that our business needs to be able to make? And how do we make them? There are lots of areas where we need to make decisions in the operating model, particularly as we start to think about adding in flexibility, particularly as we start to think about you know, all of these different uh, channel integrations as well, particularly as we start to think about the elements I was discussing earlier on at Retail Transformation Live about becoming future fit around, around speed and so on. A lot of that is enabled through better, quicker decision-making nearer to the source, right? So we don't need to push it all back upstream and, and make that decision, but we need to think about who needs to make the decision who needs to input to the decision, and then what are the decisions and how are they made? Because if you can detail that out as part of your retail operating model, then it's going to make the entire system run a lot smoother because suddenly there is visibility, right? There is visibility of what is going on. There is visibility of all of the different shifts and changes and and flexes as we start to think about localization, for example. What are you allowed to localize versus what would we rather keep consistent across the entire organization? Otherwise, if you don't have that detailed out, you may have a store manager that comes in and either is willing to pick up the ball or completely not willing to pick up the ball. And then finally, I wanted to touch on the future or ideal or target operating model. So thinking about the future or ideal or target operating model is really important because if you don't know where you're going, you don't know how you're going to get there. That operating model is there to take your strategy and turn it into reality. And so if you know where your strategy is going, you can define how your operating model is going to shift and change and evolve over time and ultimately will allow you to realize it. Once you have that vision of where you're going, it gets a whole lot easier to build the roadmap to define the changes that are going to be needed to realize that operator model, to realize the strategy, right? And ultimately, if you can't get that target operator model in place or that ideal or future operator model, how are you going to change? You're going to make bad decisions, perhaps, about priority. You're going to make challenging decisions around actually Little things in the business, you know, what's more important, availability or waste? Where where do we sit on on that as a business? Because if you don't know, you're, you're guessing. You are really literally guessing in the dark. So Jeff Roberts here has shared a, a thought 
Let's bring Jeff up onto the stage. Jeffrey Roberts, here you come. Hey, Ollie. Hey, Jeff. Welcome. Thank you. It's a really interesting conversation, and I I think it's a great point. I like how you've you've unbundled it into nested parts that ultimately create this. But I think a point that you raise, which I uh, I, I mentioned in the chat, but I think is a really good one, is getting the decision model right. And I think it's something that's not thought about until oftentimes it's too late. And so, you know, I raised the example of, of, of Nordstrom's in the U.S. You know, I think where they've really cracked it is that they see, obviously, profit flows from happy customers. And so they devolve the responsibility to solve any, any customer problem all the way to the ground, um, which is great. And, it, you know, clearly it's a strategic decision to be made, but one that I don't think enough people think about. Definitely. I, I think it's really interesting how, how that, that devolved nature is coming increasingly important, right, mm. as we start to think about the different elements. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining Thank me you. up here on the Retail Transformation Show. Thanks for having me. And so those are the different aspects that I'd urge you to consider as part of your modern retail operating model, thinking about how you can turn your purpose into reality, thinking about the different business loops or the different business cycles, thinking about the process maps and the different levels of process maps, detailing out the financial story, as well as the system architecture, and then putting the right org design or organization design and people design in place before also detailing out the decision infrastructure and then working out where are you going? What is your target operating model? And what does that look like? And how are you going to enable that? Show notes from today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 142. And thank you for listening and thank you for taking part. It's been brilliant to hear uh, from Gary Newbury and from Jeff Roberts. I will make sure to, uh, to include a little bio about them on the show notes page as well as uh, their LinkedIn profile so you can reach out and get in contact. If you would like to do a little bit more listening to the Retail Transformation Show, then I have got, uh, well, four episodes actually that I'm going to detail out for you. The first is episode 101, which I see Gary Newbury has also given an upvote to, which is around finding and having purpose with James Bolley. That's a brilliant episode and really plays into the role that you as a retailer plays in your customer's life. So episode 101, it would also be worth checking out episode 124, which is around how to be a data-driven retailer. Data, of course, as I mentioned earlier, is coming increasingly important definitely worth checking out that episode. And then to provoke a few thoughts, why not go to episode 117, which is about retail operating models and asking the question, is the retail operating model dead? And then my final addition to that one is episode 108 with Gary Newbury as we explored agile supply chains. And of course, we we welcomed uh, Gary on to the Retail Transformation Show. So thank you so much for joining me for this special episode, whether you are tuning in live at Retail Transformation Live or listening at some stage in the future here on the Retail Transformation Show podcast. It's been brilliant and I look forward to joining you on another episode very, very soon. Bye for now. 